0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry
1: Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. What a beautiful Saturday it's looking like it's going to be. And we are headed for some gorgeous weather. Almost almost summer hot-like weather this week. It's going to be in the high 70s and the 80s. This is going to change the fishing perspective. Things are going to turn on. Uh, Some things will change, and you'll have to do a little looking, and some things are going to turn on, and some things are going to open up. We're going to try to cover as much of that today as we can. We've got a lot of fishing guests on today. By the way, we're broadcasting 8 to 10 today uh, because of the NFL draft. Um, I have my opinions about two wide receivers in the first two picks, but – they seem to have recovered from that. We won't waste time on that today. You're going to get plenty of that starting at 10 o'clock. We will cover the rest of the draft right here on 104.3 The Fan. But right now, let's go right to the phones and joining us. He usually joins us a couple hours early, but I'm sure that he's been up and had several cups of coffee, Mr. Nate Zelinsky, Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great, Nate. And uh, I, I, I'm sure you heard what I said, but... Uh, this weather we went to you know we had the walleye spawn we had ice starting to go away we had open water starting to come then we got well my house we got 16 inches of snow but everybody got like five or six it got cold then it got on and off windy and cold the fish started moving again but not i went out a little checking and i didn't think they were moving as much as maybe they had been but i think things are going to take off this week what do you think
0: you know, Terry, I think it's very situational. I spent a lot of time on the water this week, kind of checking in on things. Um, and it is, it's really across the board, which uh, I mean, some years is the case and some years is not the case, but this is one of those years that I'd say our fish are very spread. Um, you know, to kind of walk you through those patterns, I have three fisheries for walleye uh, that we've been hitting pretty hard lately. Uh, fishing's absolutely incredible, but the style and techniques uh, are very different. So the, probably the three top fisheries in the state uh, will kind of walk you through. Number one, uh, we'll start at Cherry Creek Reservoir. Cherry Creek is, is by far traditional patterns for April. Um, you know, I would say our walleye spawn is, is dang near 100% done uh, on most of our fisheries. Uh, here at Cherry Creek, our walleye spawn is 100% done. There are no more spawning fish. Uh, with that said, all of our fish are in a post-spawn state, so they're all out in the basin. Um, and these fish are all still holding deep. Um, we're having incredible days on the water, but our fish are, are sitting in the basin, 18 to 22, 24 feet of water. Um, so they're out there on the mud flats. Uh, just 100% feeding on, on worms and midges and bug life and the occasional shad. Um, but again, these fish are, so far aren't showing a whole lot of signs of summer pattern. You know, afternoon, uh, you know, high heat type days that we're going to have this week, you'll see those fish just start sliding up on structure. Uh, but by the next day, they're back out in that basin. So we probably have another, you know, almost two weeks, uh, I would say, of this bite if I had to guess. So so Cherry Creek is, is post-spawn but traditional springtime kind of cooler fashion patterns. So we're trolling lead core um, out in the basin. A lot of people know that bite, um, and that's very traditional for right now. Then you can kind of fast forward, you know, just uh, just going to Chatfield, you know, just a couple miles away, just west of here. Um, and that normally is a really strong night bite. Uh, then we usually have a, you know, a little bit of a delay, almost a two-week delay before those fish really start their summer patterns. Um, that night bite has drastically faded. I mean, we're still catching, Fish at night, uh, but really the night bite has faded, and I don't know how they became into a summer pattern so fast. Um, but we are full blown summer patterns at Chatfield. Um, you know, you've been hearing us talk about it, you know, for uh, ten months now about how we're having a, sh- a low shad year at Chatfield. Uh, but that low shad year and that kind of lack of food source has really sped up the spring. Um, and those fish are stacked on beds. They're stacked on the gravel pits. Um, if you go to Chatfield right now, anything that you would normally do in June is working right now. Um, you know, the other day I was out there with with my kids. And we had a 50-fish day uh, on live bait rigs, just crawler harness type stuff. Um, So that bite is full-blown summer patterns. I mean, not even like, you know, early summer. It it is absolutely summer patterns there. So it's exciting to see uh, with those high-numbers days, just really action-packed. Uh, again, whether you choose to rig or jig, um, you're going to have that success at Chatfield with that. And then you move down to Pueblo, and we're kind of half in between. Um, those fish are again 100% post spawn, but they're they're not full-blown in their summer patterns they are kind of in that transition um, from that deeper water early post-spawn state to their summer patterns there's definitely a a deep water bite going there's also definitely a shallow water bite going there at Pueblo so Pueblo is kind of caught right between where the Chatfield and Cherry Creek is Um, you can go down there and you can catch fish on jigs you can catch them on the shallow rigs and you can also catch them deep I'd say we're probably you know 10 days uh, from those fish at Pueblo being in kind of their full-blown summer pattern. Now, obviously, uh, if you look at the weather, this week's weather is going to do nothing but help all of that. So it's going to help these fish transition out of that deeper post-spawn state and move them, you know, quickly along into those summer patterns. Uh, but as far as the the three top fisheries right there, that's kind of where the walleyes are at and how to, how to approach those fish right now.
1: Now, you know, a couple of things you said, really, um, typically – I would think that Chatfield and Cherry Creek would be reversed because Chatfield tends yep. to be a little colder. Um, it, that's, that's just a total, uh, almost a reversal of those two lakes. <clears throat> but as, as these lakes catch up, you know, we're really not into summer pattern yet, but they're starting to look like they are. As we get warmer and warmer, are you expecting to see maybe the big fish get a little tougher, but the numbers increase that we peak maybe in the middle of June? that's what i would normally say i mean that's
0: pretty common you know as the as those bigger fish recover from spawn uh you know post spawn they make some bad decisions just because they're so hungry once they regain that weight they lost during spawn i think we'll see those females go out suspended uh and we'll definitely start seeing more more of those immature fish and those those males getting really active and the female bite slowing down but um again Just kind of one of those years, and it's Mother Nature. You know, as much as we ever try to understand it, and the the second we think we have it pegged, uh, it obviously always changes. It's just kind of the the nature of the beast. Um, And I'd say that's where it is. Again, um, you know, I swung by, like I said, like a roadbed at Chatfield the other day, and the fish were stacked. And I was like, man, it just can't be. And then we started fishing them, and, you know, now it's going on you know, ten days of of just a hot and heavy bite. Um, you know, and I had a bunch of friends telling me the bite was on, and you know, it's, it's just hard to believe the the summer pattern for starting, but uh, but it is. So it's exciting to get out there. And again, I think uh, over the next two weeks, as anglers get out, uh, I think the biggest thing is spend some time looking with the graph. You know, all of us have these great graphs on our boat. Some of us it's just a glorified depth finder. Some uh, are actually you know using it for the sake of sonar. But regardless, this is the time of year where it's important. You know, go look for your fish because everything's changing. I mean, from one day to the next, um, these fish can proceed and move along with the spring process of that bite. So use your graph, find fish, uh, make sure that you're on those fish, and I think you're going to have a good day. It seems like all of these fish are biting, whether they're those deep water basin fish or the shallow fish. There's just a lot of action happening. Uh, just make sure that you're on those fish, and I think you'll have a good day on the water.
1: No, I, I think I couldn't help but agree with you more that the catch rate is just going to get better if you find the fish from here through till the till the um, till the more active fish even may start to suspend with when we if we get a major shad hatch. But this is from now till the middle of June is the time when if you can you'll if you can catch fish you'll catch them, and this is the time. What about other species like trout and bass and things, Nate? What are you seeing? Ah.
0: Absolutely. You know, so so our bass, same thing. Uh, obviously, we, we had that activity where the bass were starting to come shallow, and that major cold front kind of pushed them back deep. Uh, but lately, we've had some you know, fairly consistent weather. Even though it's getting cool, it's not getting cold. Uh, so those bass are slowly starting to come shallow uh, again. And I think this time they'll stay. Obviously, this week's forecast is very warm. Uh, so I think your bass, you're going to see even going into that, that pre-spawn state. Uh, I think you'll start seeing them come shallower and shallower, if not very shallow uh, by the end of this week. So that bass fishing is going to increase, um, you know, major news. We obviously were not quite sure what the boating season was going to look like, uh, especially in the South Park area. South Park's obviously a major destination uh, being in Tarot, Spinney, 11 mile. Uh, those fisheries are obviously incredible for trout, pike. Um, and we weren't sure what the boating situation would be like. Park County uh, obviously was, was, you know, with the, the entire, you know, state i should say just cautious about travel uh so they did not know when those fisheries were gonna open for boating uh 11 mile was happy to announce yesterday that 11 mile will open on wednesday for boating uh, and i believe spinney will open on tuesday It's the 29th and 30th uh those fisheries will open for boating so excited to see that that that's gonna you know progress uh so we'll have some absolutely incredible trout fishing some incredible pike fishing uh going on up there any time that those fisheries open up in April, if not early May. Uh, the opportunity for fly anglers and conventional tackle anglers is, is absolutely incredible as those fish are shallow, uh, kind of going through those spawn states so so we should have a really good bite at both of those fisheries this week, so we're excited about that and then uh, you know we keep talking about typical type conditions, but anytime spring turkey opens it doesn't matter if it opens in march or if you open spring turkey in june it is a tradition to have foul weather uh at the beginning of turkey season here in colorado it just is what it is it, turkey season and mother nature do not get along um so i know that there's been so many anxious turkey hunters out there um and the weather's really kind of slowed it down you know the activity level of the birds the talking of the birds um obviously you can still find them see their tracks but now that we have some warm weather, really, uh, that's going to just really spike that turkey action. So for all the turkey hunters out there, you know, give it three, four days of this nice weather to really warm things up. Um, and I think by the end of the week, next weekend, we're going to have some absolutely incredible turkey hunting going on. So really excited about that. Uh, just for all those people out there, uh, excited to chase birds. Obviously, the first, uh, first portion of the season was a little rougher with weather. It
1: can get very discouraging, uh, but don't give up because, again, this week's going to change everything as far as turkeys go well you know in the talk hunting and coming from minnesota you know opening of deer season opening of this season opening of fishing season that was always in anticipation in colorado because of the way things are structured of course we don't have fishing seasons and we get the openings of some bodies of water but when you get back to hunting whether it's turkey or elk elk archery especially and some of the others sometimes the early part of the season a waterfall this can really be true an upland game that sometimes that early part of the season isn't your best chance at success and you do have a rush of people out there and uh sometimes later on when things settle down a little bit and that leads me to something else that i wanted to ask you about and that's the fishing pressure I've been out checking a few ponds and stuff now as more waters open up we're going to spread people out more and hopefully the travel will loosen up and regulations will loosen up and a lot of people will go back to work but I also think we're seeing especially from shore a lot more pressure on fish do you think that's having an effect
0: you know I I saw it on one situation I I would say on the the day-to-day I 100% agree that there is more pressure. As far as the effect on the fish, I, I haven't seen it. The one thing that I did see, obviously, uh, on a lot of these fisheries especially your Chatfield, Cherry Creek, Pueblo, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife nets their walleyes. Generally speaking, the dams are closed uh, March 15th to April 15th. You know, for as long as I can remember, um, those operations have been going and they've closed the dam. Uh, they did not do that netting operation. They started it and then they stopped, uh, and it opened up, those those areas Um, and i saw more pressure than i've ever seen you know in my life um in those spawn sites for people fishing walleyes and i did see the pressure affect the fish there um simply for the fact that they were getting you know a lot of pressure from people casting to them they were getting pressure on the boat side uh trolling in front of it so we were seeing less and less activity um on those dam faces so i saw a lot of you know spawning areas or spawn sites that are off the beaten path getting loaded up with fish um, as those fish were kind of somewhat avoiding some of the other spawn sites. So, whether it was just the migrations, the hours, you know, maybe, uh, you know, obviously a lot of anglers hit that night bite really early from, you know, first light to maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, so, a lot of our fish were coming in late and, and we did see a a slight change up to those spawning fish um, that was different, you know, due to pressure. But generally speaking, I'd say the day to day, I'm seeing more anglers, but I wouldn't say it's affecting fish as much, but what we'll see as things kind of proceed.
1: Now, I assume you're not guiding it. Hopefully that'll open up soon, but you are doing a lot of things to help people catch fish and get information out there, both fishing and hunting. Te- tell people what you're doing and where they can find it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have a lot of stuff changing, and again, we try to keep up with uh, you know with, with our park managers and things like that as far as operations go, what we can do. Uh, so the biggest thing is just always keep an eye on our Facebook page. Uh, we try to keep our website up, but it's a little slower in that process. Is so where we can update fa- Facebook extremely quick. So uh, if you want information as far as our catch rate tournaments, guiding, uh, you know, just general information on the bites and what's happening, uh, watching our Facebook page is everything. So just Tightline Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, watch us there. We'll try to keep you. Updated on on things and keep you updated on bites, uh, especially now as we're starting to hit our mountain lakes. Uh, we'll keep you updated on where the pike are at, where the walleyes are at, where the, where the trout are at. Kind of kind of all the bites going around there. So yeah, watch our Facebook page. We'll try to keep it updated as
1: possible. All right, my friend. We will talk to you next week, back at your regular time. Forever. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Nate Zelensky, always a great wealth of information. Uh, We'll take a quick time out. We come back. We're going to talk about an organization I just found out about that's doing some awfully good things right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043, The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043, The Fan. We're going to go right to the phones. And we're going to talk to um, Jeremy Hyde, who is the founder and president, I believe, of an organization that's uh, been in existence for a while, but just really came to my attention. Good morning, Jeremy. Morning, Terry. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm looking out the window of my palatial home studio and the sun is shining and we got good weather coming. And hopefully we're going to get this COVID stuff behind us and uh, things are looking good. But you have an organization called um, Hero Expeditions, and I want to find out a little more about it. You and I have talked, and I've researched it, and really I'm impressed with what you guys are doing. Why don't you tell people kind of how you got started and what Hero Expeditions does?
2: Sure, and, and I appreciate the kind words, Terry. Um, you know, we're a, a nonprofit organization based in northern Colorado. Uh, we take uh, past and present military personnel, firefighters, law enforcement officers, first resta- uh, excuse me, first responders, EMS personnel, uh, family members of the fallen, and uh, youth on hunting and fishing and other outdoor expeditions. So that's our whole premise of what we do.
1: And the whole idea, and if people have listened to the show over the years or followed my TV or my writing, they know that I'm a big believer in the therapeutic value of the outdoors, especially the water, but just anything outdoors. And it creates a situation where you can do more bonding, and create more memories, and just improve your quality of life uh, be, more than any other activity uh, that that you can even think of participating in. It just has a special effect on you. I got a feeling that's kind of what you think too, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when we have, um, you know, we kind of have a four-part system, if you will, of, of what our program is all about, and and why we decided to do this. And, and basically um, we founded this because we believe uh, believe giving back to those that have really put it all out there on the line for, for us. Our freedom and our safety is the right thing to do. Um, our goal is to provide uh, an atmosphere that just gives them an opportunity to uh, enjoy the great outdoors, to unwind, uh, experience some camaraderie. And uh, really our mission is to help them create uh, some meaningful relationships. A lot of the times uh, these guys get out of the military and uh, they just need uh, somebody new to experience the outdoors with and kind of unload some of the, the stuff that they carry around with. So Campfire, as you know, is a great opportunity for people just to sit and and unwind and talk a little bit about life. And who better to do it with than guys that understand, you know, where they're coming from and what they've been through. And, and if you can wake up in the morning and go uh, wet a line in the water or chase a turkey,
1: uh, what better excuse, right? So Yeah, tell you, take us through some of the – Some of the things you do set up, what are some of the activities you you do try to coordinate and set up during the course of a typical year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we take, I think in 2019, we took about 110 individuals, um, and we do everything from uh, fishing trips for youth to uh, turkeys. Uh, Of course, our spring turkey hunts got postponed this year. Um, but we do uh, waterfowl hunts are a big thing for us. The water the waterfowl season is long here in Colorado, thankfully, and uh, it really provides an opportunity for guys and gals to get out and sit in a pit and talk. Um, and, and just uh, we don't have to drive far to make it happen. So waterfowl is great for us. We do uh, uh, elk hunt up in North Park with Ivory and Antler Outfitters, our good friends up there uh, in Walden, and uh, we do a deer hunt in Nebraska every year. We chase antelope up here. Uh, in northern colorado as well and and we just really try to bring a various uh, a varied uh array of opportunities as far as chasing wildlife goes here in colorado and we really you know to be honest want to start branching out into things that uh, are maybe not as much hunting and fishing oriented but are definitely outdoors oriented colorado's such a wonderful playground for whitewater rafting and mountaineering and hiking and uh, mountain biking and that kind of stuff so we look forward to expanding our program um probably more in 2021 and and beyond so
1: that that sounds great now when you originally you, you talked about doing a lot of this for veterans i think they were your original focus i may be wrong but then you expanded to first responders and then of course everybody that you know in the medical industry and first responders and emts right now with what we're going through are are on the front lines You also talked about um, some youth. Um, Do you do some strictly youth programs too that you may not be a first responders child, but maybe you're just somebody who could use a little bit of reassurance in life?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, we got started. uh, My best friend was uh, wounded really, really badly in Iraq in 2006. And it really kind of made me sit back and think, you know, what, what's going on and, and how can we really reach out to guys like him and, and uh, kind of fill a need there. And so that was what really got us started was uh, my buddy Derek and our friendship and how do I go back to, you know, building a friendship with this guy. And and so we started this with veterans in mind, uh, in mind primarily because it was just the low-hanging fruit, if you will, for the group of people that I was around. And uh, we had a, a guy named Doug Coldenhoven that came to us um, through a veteran And Doug spent 20 plus years in the fire service sit down in the Colorado Springs area and sitting around and talking to Doug and hearing about the things that those guys go through and see on a daily basis. um, It's just, it's unreal what they go through and being the first, first crew on the scene for traffic accidents and suicides and and just uh, those guys deal with it on a daily basis. And we thought, well, there's gotta be something we can do for these guys too. And we just kind of slowly started growing and, uh, one of our board members, Ryan Perdue, is a football coach at a school here in Greeley, and a lot of the kids there are from single-parent homes and, and um, disadvantaged backgrounds. And he said, we need to do something for these kids. And so we started doing fishing trips with kids, and it's just grown from, you know, started with military, and we thought, well, we can help these people. We'll go that direction, and we can help these folks, and we'll just kind of bring them into the fold. And uh, it's just worked great. And, and honestly, getting kids around uh, police officers and firefighters and and soldiers and that kind of stuff. These kids' eyes just light up, and there's a lot of magic that happens there. Well, it just makes you feel good to see uh, – to take advantage of an opportunity to make a difference uh, in their lives, so it's it's really special.
1: Well, I think it really is, and I'll tell you that a couple points that I want to make, and then we've got to let you go because we're running out of time, but sure. one is that there is there is a therapeutic value, and I think, you know, all the groups you mentioned from the veterans to the youth and everybody in between – um, sometimes can hit, be hit with depression or feelings of being lost. And the therapeutic nature of the outdoors, the bonding, I think it adds such a quality to life that it can brighten your outlook. And all those same groups also have high rates of suicide. And I think getting out and experiencing and bonding and talking really is one of the ways to approach that tragedy that happens so often. So I think everything you're doing is tremendous i'm sorry we don't have more time but why don't you tell people where they can find out more about you and i'm sure you need let's take let's steal an extra minute first do you need funding volunteers how do you support the organization
2: sure well terry and i appreciate uh i appreciate the question you know the easiest way for people to help us along is is just to make a financial contribution it's completely tax deductible um, but also you know our favorite thing to do is to have people volunteer we really believe and if you come in and take part in our program and learn a little bit about us, that we'll have a partner for life or as long as uh, you're able to get out and contribute in one way or another. Um, we also, we fund, we do a couple of private fundraisers throughout the year, but our biggest fundraiser honestly is a golf tournament we have coming up um, at the, uh, actually I was going to say the end of July, but we had to move it to September 11th because of the COVID-19 deal. And we partner with our good friends at Hensel Phelps, my buddy Pat Schwab over there, and that company has just done a tremendous amount of support for us. And so that golf tournament's Friday, uh, September 11th, out at Riverdale Golf Course in Brighton. And uh, man, we have sponsorship opportunities like you wouldn't believe on that thing. And they can. Uh, there's a whole web page on our website d- uh, dedicated to the golf tournament. So if folks want to visit our website, it's HeroExpeditions.org, um, and you can learn about our golf tournament and other ways to get involved there. And uh, feel free, Any anybody that has an interest or, or needs to take part, give me a call or, or hit us up on social media. Uh, it's Hero Expeditions on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I don't know, is it okay if I give out my phone number, Terry? That uh, oh, You bet. Line. You bet. Cool. No, go ahead. Um, yeah, my personal number is 970 And I'd love to hear from anybody that uh, – either needs to to be involved in our program um, as a participant or as a a donor or volunteer or sponsor. Um, We have a a lot of need for land opportunities and places to take guys hunting and fishing in Colorado, Wyoming, and Nebraska. We just uh, hope that uh, somebody out there listening can benefit from what we're doing and maybe come alongside and
1: help us out. So, all right. And that's HeroExpeditions.org. Jeremy, we've got to go, but a great, great, uh, great things you're doing and thanks for coming on and sharing it with us
2: terry i appreciate the time and thank you for uh, your advocacy work for what we're doing and, and for the outdoors keep up the good work
1: all right thank you jeremy from hero expeditions we'll take a quick time out austin parr is going to join us and we're going to talk fishing for a good solid half hour on terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan you're listening to terry wickstrom outdoors on 104.3 the fan we want to can get back to talking some fishing, so let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Discount Tackle is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'll tell you, I know you were on, on hold a little bit listening. Isn't that a great organization we were just talking to?
3: Absolutely. I mean, being able to to get folks out there that would not normally be able to get out in, in the field or on the water truly is fantastic. I mean, it's it's changed my life. Fishing has it's been been part of my life for my entire life now. And and not thinking about not having a passion like that is is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I would not want that at all. But then being able to get some of these 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 people exposed to that, and maybe change their lives for the better, is is truly outstanding.
1: Yeah, and you know what? Speaking of changes, you know we're obviously experiencing a lot of changes in all our lives this season with the COVID thing and um, things are changing daily so when we tell people about an opportunity or a bite or a boat landing please check your local regulations check what's going on check the parks and wildlife covid site which by the way i have posted on my facebook page terry wickstrom outdoors and a lot of what we cover on the show i put up there so you can re-listen to it if you want but Well, we're going to give you ideas, but always remember that there are recommendations and things going on. I don't know. We had Nate on earlier, talked a little bit about the Cherry Creek Chatfield bites, but let's start over and just get everybody doesn't listen the whole hour. Let's get your perspective. What I'd like to do is talk about some opportunities you're seeing, what you see coming up with this weather, and then I want to get a little deeper, either during those bites or after, into some of the techniques because sometimes we rattle through these techniques without telling people
3: how to do it. What are you
1: what are you seeing out there austin
3: absolutely so down at cherry creek right now we're still seeing the the, the 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 typical bite that you'd be seeing right now so uh it's typically a lead core bite this time of year and, and it's no different this year so what that means is that these fish on post spawn have come out off of the rock faces and out of the shallow water on the south end for the most part there's some fish that are shallow still but the majority of them are out in that 19 to 23-foot range, uh, and the most active fish in that range are right near the bottom. So utilizing a lead core technique where you're actually letting out that, that line until your bait hits the bottom and reeling it up slightly until that bait is just right up above the bottom is, is pretty much the key right now. So the, the baits we're utilizing are small crankbaits, so flicker shad, size 4s and 5s, uh shad wraps in the same size as fours and fives and then salmo hornets in size fours the size five salmos are a little bit big for this particular presentation but all those presentations trolled at that somewhere in the neighborhood of 1.5 to two mile an hour range depending on upon the day has been pretty darn productive now chatfield is a little bit different continue terry
1: no go ahead let's talk chatfield then i want to circle back and talk a little bit about a couple of those presentations
3: Absolutely. So down at Chadfield, it's been a little bit different this year. So last year we didn't have a huge shad spawn out there, and it's been kind of affecting things for the last several months, including out on the ice. But we're starting to see a lot of fish that are moving up onto structure. And what I mean by that is not necessarily the dam or, or, or any type of brush-type structure that people would be thinking about. What I'm more uh, talking about is, is on your humps, on your old roadbeds out there, and on the edges of your gravel pit. So, these fish, even though the water temperature is in the low 50s, they're already being caught on presentations like slow death uh, with gulp uh, killer crawlers on them pulled along the roadbed. That's been really productive. But jigs have also been catching fish out there and a whole host of different uh, types of jigs everything from twitch tail minnows to curly tail grubs. But then we're also starting to see some of the smallmouth in some of the same areas as well. So, ned rigs have been productive. And there's still some smallmouth that are out on the, the rock face being pre-spawn. So they're up there hunting crawfish and, and tube jigs on the outside edges of those uh, rock faces have been good. But still jerkbaits are working well in the colder water conditions for those smallmouth.
1: Let's talk a little bit about a couple of those presentations. I know we were going to go through the update and then do presentations when we talked earlier, but let's relate them back. First of all, when you talk about a slow death rig, um, I, may, I may actually post that. On my Facebook page, Terry Wisham Outdoors, I wrote an article for the Denver Post a year or two ago that gets pretty uh, pretty good explanation of it. And I'll do, it. but let's tell uh, tell people what a slow death rig is and how you present it.
3: So a slow death rig is all revolving around the hook to start with. So the particular hook that we're utilizing is very similar to an Aberdeen hook, where it has a long shank and then. Um, but the difference is, is that this, this slow death in the middle of that shank is actually bent. And uh, the purpose of that is when you thread a a nightcrawler up on there, similar to how you would be threading a curly tail grub on a jig. So the nightcrawler's coming all the way over the entire hook. It puts a little pitch in that nightcrawler. And whether you're fishing a a real nightcrawler or you're fishing a a gulp killer crawler, which has been very productive out there, uh, that crawler actually has a tendency to spin when you tow that with your front trolling motor. So somewhere in the neighborhood of of 0.7 to 1.2 miles an hour is the speed that you want. And then you could do everything from from putting that slow death rig typically on on a bottom bouncer, but also on a Lindy rig, and you can either fish it plain where you don't have any beads, you don't have any floats and no spinner blades, or you can dress it up any way that you want. So you can put different spinner blades on there. Northland Tackle sells quite a few that are already pre-rigged with various blades, but sometimes you can just put a a little float up on there, too, to just bring it up off the bottom.
1: Yeah, and uh, the... I'm glad you brought up bottom bouncers because we don't talk about them enough anymore. 25, 30 years ago, bottom bouncers probably caught more walleyes in western waters than everything else put together. And then the PWT introduced everybody to trolling crankbaits, and and a lot of people like bait rigs and they like jigs. But especially for anglers who maybe aren't as sophisticated, bottom bouncers will catch fish. But I think people there's a lot of differences how you approach them. Let me tell you what my biggest thing is: I don't drag the bottom bouncer on the bottom. I let I let line out till I feel the bottom, and I'm going slow. You're typically like you're saying in those one mile an hour ranges, and then when I feel it ticking, I lift it up, and then as I move along, I'm watching for depth changes to take line in and out. But I'm letting line out, and if I don't feel the bottom, I let line out. If I'm hitting the bottom too often, I bring line in. That tapping and occasionally checking bottom gives an erratic presentation to the lure but you can keep that bait down there for bottom oriented fish even in uh depth changes and it's a great way to cover water and anything you do a little different there
3: that's pretty much the exact same thing i do the whole key with those bottom bouncers is just having the very tip of that l-shaped bottom bouncer hitting the bottom occasionally if it's just dredging the bottom it's not the, the, the way that you want to be going because not only are, are you, you, you dragging way too hard, but you're also not being able to feel that bite nearly as much. So you want to have that, that hip just right, touching the bottom every once in a while and, and having that particular presentation that you're utilizing behind it just riding above the bottom. And that's the whole point of that, uh, that, that extension on that arm on that bouncer.
1: You know, and we talked about the slow death rig, but boy, don't forget to use spinners and night crawlers or spinners in Berkeley worms or spinners in minnows and spinners and leeches because, or even a, a crankbait. Because I'll tell you what, the, the typical spinner rigs with about a three, four foot leader can just be as deadly as anything out there yet.
3: Absolutely. And uh, we're getting into that leech season right now, uh, coming up here really soon, too. So uh, you could like it, like we mentioned, plain, but then the spinner stuff, especially early in the season, before the fish have seen a lot of different spinners, uh, it can be insanely effective in the next couple of weeks.
1: Now, I do have, in fact, one of the most watched videos on my YouTube channel is on bottom bouncers. And I take you down to Pueblo and I run the bottom bouncer from both the back and the front of my boat. And I talk about letting the line out. So if you if you go to the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, you can actually watch me demonstrate these techniques. Now, I want to get into some other techniques, and I want to talk about some other waters and ponds. We should take a quick break here. And then we come back, I want to talk about maybe a few other waters you're seeing. Then I want to talk about a few other presentations you've mentioned and kind of give people a few tips. So we're going to put you on hold, Austin, and we'll come back to you in about four or five minutes here. That sounds great. All right. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1043 The Fan. We are talking to Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. Let's go right back to the phones. Austin, we've talked Cherry Creek and Chatfield quite a bit today already. Um, I'd like to talk about maybe some other bodies of water, even some small ones, and maybe a few other species. What else are you hearing out there?
3: Absolutely. So right now, where we're getting close to May, it seems like April, for me at least, without doing any guiding, has uh, just kind of disappeared on us already. But, But May is one of my favorite months for fishing on the eastern plains. And places going out northeast such as Jackson Lake, Sterling, and Jumbo all are going to be fishing very well coming up here soon. And some of them some of them, are already producing. Uh, Jumbo has, has started, to, started to fish pretty darn well lately, as has North Sterling, both of which are still on more of the trolling patterns that we were mentioning at Cherry Creek where a lot of lead core is coming into play. But if you go to the entire opposite end of the state and go south toward John Martin, that is a bite to really consider over the next little bit. And, and that fishery is, it, with, with the new water that we've had down there for the last several years, it is really get, getting into much more of a, a state of maturity of that fishery. And we're seeing, God, just tons and tons and tons of different species that are flourishing down there. And a lot of species that you're not seeing in those numbers in other places, such as your crappies and your white bass, uh wipers down there as well saw guys walleyes that lake holds a variety of of warm water species that it it just are it's a fantastic fishery to, to consider
1: now what about people who want to stay close to home there's so many small waters in the state ponds and small rivers and creeks to go through what are you hearing up and down the front range
3: yeah, so a lot of those local ponds are starting to to show some life. Uh, the majority of those are are housing largemouth bass with a variety of panfish species to come behind them, and those species are more warm water species than you're seeing, uh, especially obviously with your trout, but even more so than the walleyes, and they really require a, a water temperature that is, is a little bit higher to be very active. And a week that we're going to be having, like next week, where we're going to be seeing all these warm days back-to-back-to-back to back to back really should fire off those particular locations. And techniques such as lipless crankbaits, chatterbaits, um, and then even some jerkbaits still uh, in that colder water are going to prove successful. And those are some more of your advanced techniques, but you can even go as simple as as a float and, and some night crawlers uh, and pick off some panfish along the edges as we get warmer. But all your different local city ponds, you'd be surprised at what's in every single one of them. There's bass in almost every one of those ponds. And then as I mentioned, bluegills and crappie in the majority of them as well. So they are a fantastic option to still stay close to home. And as we're getting warmer, have some good fishing.
1: Now you talked about a Ned rig and people hear that all the time. They're seeing it on TV. They can look it up on the internet, but tell me what, What makes a Ned Rig different than just a a plastic worm on a jig head or a shaky
3: jig or all
1: the different names? And when does one work better than another?
3: So Ned Rigs have turned into one of the absolute best fish catching lures, one of my best sellers down at the store. And the whole uh, idea behind it is the specific type of plastic that you are putting on that mushroom head stand-up jig head. And they're, uh, the, the plastics are from Z-Man. And if anyone's not familiar with Z-Man, they are famous for an incredibly stretchy type of soft plastic that's almost impossible to break. But they float really, really well. And you're putting that floating plastic on that jig head, and that plastic raises up and is sitting perpendicular to the bottom rather than laying flat on the bottom like a normal plastic would be. And they're very easy to fish. You can just either drag them along the bottom. You can hop them. But fish of all different species love them. It's designed as a bass presentation, but when we're using them for bass, when I'm, when I'm guiding, I catch all sorts of different species on them. You'll pick off trout and a lot of walleyes as well, depending upon the color. But there's a rainbow of different colors. Crawfish colors and green pumpkins are where I go first. But there's sometimes where more of your bright colors, such as your chartreuses and your whites and your pinks, can all have good success as well. But right now, before we're getting a lot of weed growth in these local ponds, those particular baits fished on the bottom can be very successful.
1: Now, as the weeds start to grow and the bottom gets a little tougher, before those weeds, especially in ponds and smaller lakes, grow up and choke the surface, you mentioned a jerkbait. That can be a great presentation, but do you think people do it properly most of the time? Tell us your approach with jerkbaits.
3: So the first off that I'm, I'm looking for with jerk jerkbait is finding one that is going to generally be suspending. Uh, a, a true floating jerk bait is not fished as well in the presentation that I'm about to describe. So things like x wraps, uh, Husky Jerks all work really well. Uh, Berkeley Cutter 110s and, and 90s also are good choices with this. But what we're doing is you're obviously casting out and maybe not so much casting straight out. A lot of times these fish are closer to the edges. And so going more on a 45 degree angle as long as you're not too shallow can be really effective. But we'll start off by giving it a, a couple of snaps, but the whole key with the snaps on these jerk baits whether aggressive or more passive is that you're doing it with slack line in the line. So I'm not reeling down to that bait and then pulling. I'm actually snapping that a couple of times with a kind of a just a wrist snap and then I'm reeling down slack but not coming all the way tight to that bait. And during this particular time with these suspending jerk baits It's all about really watching that line. Uh, Occasionally you'll feel a good tick, but many times that line just comes tight as you're watching that line go. So uh, that slack line snap is the total key, and then depending upon the situation, sometimes more of a long pause works well, sometimes a shorter pause works well. But that suspending bait allows you to pause for a longer period of time. And if anyone's not familiar, what the suspending means is that the bait is neutrally buoyant. So as that bill pulls the bait down as you're retrieving it, when you pause it, it does not rise and it does not fall. So it gives a good chance for those fish to have a bait hanging in their face. It gives you a better chance to catch that fish.
1: Now, a typical rule of thumb and that I would use, but you're right, the fish will tell you how they want it, is in warm water, if I'm chasing like wipers or white bass or largemouth in warm water, I may keep that cadence up and have very little pause, almost an erratic Absolutely. continuous action with short pauses. But in this cold weather, I think people don't understand sometimes how long you have to pause that bait. If you give it a couple little twitches and then you pause and you think you've waited long enough, probably double or triple that time, wouldn't you say?
3: absolutely and uh you know i, I typically will go until you you catch that fish obviously but it's always key to really when you actually get a bite on a jerkbait really kind of think about what you were just doing and if you're pausing a really long time obviously continue but that's how we're developing patterns is you have to start off with something and if it's not working change but really pay attention to what you're doing exactly and and that will really help you to catch more fish
1: no i couldn't agree more um There's just going to be a lot of opportunities. We can't cover them all today. With this warm week we've got coming, I think it's going to turn on the panfish and a lot of the small ponds and the bass. I think the trout may move on the front range a little further from shore in some of the smaller bodies of water. But on the big lakes, they should still be because they won't warm up as quick, close to shore and accessible. But there's going to be a lot of fishing opportunities. The rivers are fishing well. We can't cover it all. I'm, uh, I'm going to talk more in the next segment about fishing reports and how we're going to keep people appraised. But, you are you know, you're like everybody else to have constrictions with COVID-19 and what's going on. Are you uh, available to people, and how can they get a hold of you if they want information or maybe even to find out how they can get some uh, product?
3: Absolutely. So. Give me a phone call on my personal cell phone. So my personal cell phone is 303-514-5546. That gets a hold of me anytime, whether we're looking to book a guide trip in the coming weeks, uh, looking for some advice, or looking to potentially get some product purchased. We can talk to you about how we can get that done right now in this uh, funny time right now. And hopefully we'll be open at the store uh, sooner rather than later. But once again, 303-514-5546.
1: And is there contact information on your website?
3: It is as well. So uh, all the store information is on the website. My cell phone number is under the guide page uh, under PARS Guide Service, but discountfishingdenver.com is that website where you can get a hold of us and order a product as well.
1: All right, my friend, lots of great information. We'll have to get some of this up on the Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, but uh, we'll be talking to you again very soon. Thank you so much, Terry. You have a great day. You bet. Austin Parr from Discount Fishing Tackle. We'll take a timeout, and we'll have more outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.